0: We're listening to Draft Chaff. Episode 9.
1: What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Draft Chaff Podcast. This is episode number 9. My name is Zach and as always I'm joined on the line by my lovely co-host Ben. What's up Ben. Not
0: much, Zach. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about something recently. It says in our episode description, in our podcast description, that we're helping to make people better at limited, right? That is a goal of ours, yes. Mm-hmm. And we want to get better too, of course. Every yeah. podcast nowadays is about getting better, about getting better at cooking or politics or magic. We really should try to get in that niche of making people worse at something. <laughs> like, why are there no podcasts to make people worse at things?
1: Does anybody actually want to spend time to figure that out?
0: I don't know. I just want to appeal to a vast audience. Maybe there's All people right. out there that are thinking, I'm winning too many games. I'm drafting too well. <laughs> it's you too know, easy. <laughs>
1: if that's the case, let us know at Twitter or at our email address. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, maybe we can we can shift the show around.
0: Yeah, we, we can definitely make it worse. That's, that's going to be easy.
1: All right. So this week, we're talking about some of the most interesting choices we can make in Amonkhet Remastered Limited, mostly around whether or not you should be exerting your creatures. In Amonkhet draft originally, this was more obvious, and I think here in Amonkhet Remastered, there's a bit of bit more of a decision pattern to make. But before we get into that, just want to plug our Patreon real quick. We have a nice little uh, Patreon going over there at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. If you'd care to give back to the cast, uh, we're planning to take all the proceeds we get from that and put it right back into the community here via giveaways and things of that nature. So go ahead and take a look over there if that's your thing. If not, just keep enjoying the podcast. All right, Ben, we have a crack draft type thing here. This is a pack three pick one. So, to set the stage a little bit, we are two packs deep. We have basically the makings of a black-white Zombies deck. We have a Wayward Servant, a couple of Miasmic Mummies, a Dread Wanderer, three copies of Sacred Cat, a Splendid Agony, a number of Oketra's Attendants, and things of that nature. So, we have a very a, a solid Zombie deck, I would say. Yeah, now, looks good. Here, in pack three, we open a pretty solid pack with uh, a couple of options here. And you and I were actually drafting this together for, mm-hmm. for the listeners there. We were doing kind of a duo draft when, when we this pack came up. And we were a bit split, so uh, let us know which, which side of the argument you would land on. Our rare here is a Torment of Hailfire. For those that don't know, that's X black black. Repeat the following process X times. Uh, and it's a sorcery. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So this scales really well with the game and it's a nice finisher, in my opinion, dealing three life. If you can cast this where like X equals six, yeah, that's that's probably game, right? Yeah. And we have a very low to the ground, low curve deck. So I figured this would be a solid high, like top end pickup. The other card here that Ben was on is Lord of the Accursed. And for those who don't know, that's a two and a black zombie two three other zombies you control get plus one plus one and what is that one in a black tap all zombies gain menace until end of turn yep that's it so obviously a perfect include for this deck um there's also a fanbearer in the pack but i don't think that was really part of the discussion so i and en- we ended up taking the lord of the accursed but i think there's a big argument to make for torment of hailfire here
0: yeah so the- it's definitely a close pick i think torment is a stronger card in a vacuum because it does kind of have this end the game ability but in a way, so does Lord of the Accursed. Being able to give all of your zombies menace kind of lets them swing in and around a lot of stalled-out board states, especially when you're draining them out and getting in for little bits in the air. Now, you also have a bunch of ways to pump already. Stuff like the Inno Ketra's Name and Ta-Crop Elite. Plus, I think Torment of Hailfire works really well as a good top end. If you're, say, I don't know, starting the flood out a little bit, you have six lands, then you pull that off the top, yeah, that might be able to do something. However, I think your deck is already pretty well set up to make use of, of those later game scenarios where you do have two catchers Attendance and uh, two Sunscor's Champions as well. That's true.
1: All right, let's move on to our Teferi Tibolt section. I'll kick us off here. Don't really have a Teferi myself. Uh, this week has been pretty pretty meh overall. Nothing, nothing too <laughs> amazing happened. Um, Dang. But I do have a Tybalt and it's kind of tilting. So opponent cast Dawn while I'm at one life. To bring back a Gus Walker and a Tacrop Elite. The opponent had six life, and I had a 6-4 Enigma Drake. I was on a red, red, blue uh, spells deck. They didn't have the mana to cast the Tacrop Elite and had no other blockers for my Drake. They passed the turn, they GG me, and my brain just short circuits and I auto-pass my turn without attacking, only realizing after I passed <laughs> that I had lethal.
0: <laughs> so so you, you you had them dead on board and then were like, you know what? No thanks, opponent, you get another chance.
1: After they GG'd me. yikes yeah that was and that was that was the last uh the last game of that event so uh, it was tilting all around
0: oh man i actually had a very similar situation happen to me except it's my teferi this is a great thing that happened to me so my opponent was at four and they had a a hazard and a few other random dorks and a flyer and i was at 20 life i've been beating down with a flyer and a 3-3 gust walker i think it had a cartouche or something on it they gg'd me and I got distracted, and I forgot to exert my Gustwalker. So instead of a... Oh, and I had a... Sorry, I had a Ta-Crop Elite as well. So I was going to swing in for lethal in the air with exerting and getting in for four with my multiple flyers. I, I got distracted by the GG. Didn't exert. They were able to block and trade off. And it left me with just a single nimble blade Kenra on the ground. Of course, they still have a hazard. So they attacked, oh, and boy. they they pumped it, and they they got me down. I thought I was dead on board. I top-decked Mighty Leap, which pumps the Kenra to a 2-4 and gives it plus 2, plus 2 and flying. So I ended up stealing it back for exactly a lethal at the last second. Oh my gosh. It was, it was awesome. I never didn't have it.
1: Yeah, of course <laughs> not. It was always right there.
0: I, I remember consciously saying to myself, I did not deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> my my Tybalt for the week, I had a sweet green-white aggro deck. The, the draft was awesome. I had five Gustwalkers, two Ronas' Stalwarts, and two Onward to Victory, which is just by itself enough to win a bunch of games. However, I was on the draw all three games, and in each of the games, my opponent went either one-drop, two-drop, or two-drop, three-drop kill spell, and I got out braced every single game, and it felt so bad. <laughs> I, was, it, I was hyper-tilted.
1: Did you get any I, wins with that deck?
0: No, I didn't. Oh, it, no. I I I zero with five ghost walkers. I was embarrassed. I I I closed the game. I was like, all right, I need a break. I'm going to go read a book or something.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like quit magic territory. I know. It's not my finest
0: moment. I I actually, you know what I did? I think I went and played historic for a little while.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, sure. I, I guess now that's that's a valid way to uh to calm down without three fairy in the format.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been loving mono red and historic. It gave me the faith that I actually am a pretty good aggro player, and that it wasn't just. You know. <laughs> I, I think this format is a bit of a coin toss sometimes, but that's kind of going to bring us right into our our main topic for the show, isn't it?
1: Sure is. So today we're talking all about combat and combat and amonkhet. Essentially, as original Ammonkhet, triple Ammonkhet format. This format is extremely combat focused not necessarily aggressive because as i think everybody has seen at this point if you've drafted the format too much there are good aggressive decks there are good mid-range decks there are good mid-range on the control side decks as well you can win games with just about any deck but it's Mm. extremely combat focused the format as a whole making the right decisions about when to attack block and most notably about today's episode, Exert will often be the key to winning your games. It's kind of between our and Amonkhet, uh, as far as the speed of the format goes, and it does just feel like aggro and all the big stuff kind of got the balance issues fixed.
0: Yeah, I really like the balance that they've brought to this format. So the question is, how are you going to win games? What's, what's going to be the plan when you have so many options? Well, regardless of the strategy, damage tends to be the best way to win games unless you're doing some kind of approach at the second sun Nonsense. When you pass the turn in this format, you should expect your opponent's board to look very different before the next combat step. So that could mean they're going to play a hasty creature or an overrun effect, or they're going to exert something to make it bigger, or cast spells to affect prowess, a big removal spell leading to a a big swing. It's kind of an attack go format. Like you, you tend the play pattern tends to be do something your first main phase, attack, pass, which is pretty unique. Not yeah. all your format has something like this.
1: Yeah, most of the time it's the opposite. You attack first, then you play your stuff, and then you pass. In this yeah. case, you're pumping your board and, and swinging and then just passing.
0: Now, of course, there's obviously exceptions, but we're going to be talking about the more aggressive and mid rangey strategies with this today, especially because exert is such a big you know, key focus of it. So attacking and sometimes blocking, exerting and playing around tricks properly is definitely one of the best ways to win games. So we're going to break down this Amenket combat I'm in combat, oh, combat okay. cat. Uh, we're going to break it down into the three main steps. So exerting creatures, combat tricks, and removal spells, and what I like to call the haymakers of the format, the, the, the big oops, I win type spells. Notable exceptions, some, some honorable mentions that we don't want to get into too much here. Prowess creatures and instants, those are also a way to affect the board, but we're not really going to talk about those. We're focused on the more tricksy stuff, not the stuff that you might see
1: coming. Yeah, outside of combat tricks, we won't really be talking about instants too much.
0: So, sorry for the uh, other random exert creatures in the format like Fervent Paincaster and Oasis Ritualist. We're mostly going to focus on the attacking ones. So ones that came in original Amonkhet. I believe all the other ones were added in hour. So when your opponent plays a creature with exert, it opens up a new line of play for them. It opens up a whole new tree of decisions to get a little, little game theory on you. For example, a 3-mana 2-2, two, two, or 3-mana, sorry, 3-mana three 3-2. Three, Those don't usually get to attack into a 2-4, but if you look at a bunch of cards in this set, Hooded Brawler, Oncrop, Crasher, they, they attack into a 2-4 every time. And granted, it's every other turn, but if you run the math, it ends up working out. So I wanted to talk about Gustwalker for a second. This is one of the, the most iconic cards from the set. I don't know, when I think original Amonkhet, is the first thing that comes to my mind. You?
1: Yeah, it's easily one of, if not the best 2-drop ever printed for Limited.
0: Yeah, it's up there. So, Gustwalker has Exert, of course. It's a 1 in the white for a 2-2, two, two, and you can Exert it. It gets plus 1, plus 1, and flying until end of turn. And then, of course, it doesn't untap on your next untap step. So, when you're attacking on the ground with this, just kind of getting in with the 2-mana two 2-2, two, two, it's fine. People love their bears in Limited. However, this one doesn't really have a huge drawback to its Exert, right? So if you think about it, if you attack normally with this for several turns in a row, you'll get in for, on an empty board, two damage, then four damage, then six damage, then eight, then 10, then 12. Makes sense, right? So over six turns, you deal 12 damage. Now, let's say you exert this on the first time you attack with it. So then it doesn't untap during your next untap step. Let's say you do that for six turns as well. So you get in for three, then zero, then three, then zero, then three that's still 12 damage over four or six turns. So no matter how you attack with this, it's attacking for 12 damage over six turns, which is a neat little effect. This kind of means it's almost pseudo-unblockable as a 2-2. Of course, you know if the game gets longer, it, it kind of keeps going, and the game doesn't usually last that long when you're exerting it. But it, this is just by itself, just to kind of get a theory about this. The other two drops that are like this in other colors are similar. Now. I want to also instead consider hooded brawler. So this would have a similar effect. You'd get in for 3, then 6, then 9, then 12, if it's just a 3-2. And then in the other way, you'd get in for 5, and then 0, and then 5, and then 0. So this is interesting. Now, instead of getting in for the same amount over the same amount of time, it actually gets in for less. It gets in for 10 over those four turns versus 12 while not exerting. So this begs the question, why is this good? Why is exerting this good? Why, why is it worth it? The damage that it gets in before needing to exert makes all the difference. So if your opponent only has out, say, a Vizier of the Anointed or something, you just swing it as normal with your, your hooded brawler. You attack as a 3-2 for three, and you know it gets in. They're not going to block it usually. And then once they play something like Oasis Ritualist, then you start exerting. So this skews the math entirely. Now you shift all those exert numbers back by a row because now it gets in for three and then five and then zero and then five, then zero, then five and so forth. So now you've gotten in this extra three damage beforehand. This is kind of the big overall exert philosophy, right? And this applies to something like Gust Walker and all the other exert creatures as well. This means that we can look at this idea of how exert creatures are best used, which is getting in early with them, and then exerting once it becomes unfavorable to do so anymore. Like I said, Gustwalker is a bit of an exception because you can just do it every turn, but you can actually get ahead of the evenness of exerting versus not exerting if you get in on the ground first. For example, if you're able to swing in for it as a 2-2 for several turns in a row and then start exerting, it puts you ahead of that 12 damage over 6 turn parity. To take advantage of this really cool choice-based design, you have to back up exert creatures with some you know, spells that take advantage of this. So removal, of course. Uh, maybe slightly more expensive removal spells that are you play after the exert creatures or ones that you can use on curve like Magma Spray and play a creature at the same time. This lets them attack as they normally are without exerting for longer, which is what you want to prioritize. And you do take a bit of a tempo hit from exerting, of course, especially when your opponent is also in an aggressive game plan, but it ends up kind of working out in the end. You want to make the best possible use of your attack steps. So to kind of summarize my long ramble about exerting here, I've been thinking about the math behind this for a while. If you're playing an aggressive exert deck, find ways to get in normally before you have to exert. Things like a blue cartouche that gives flying or a removal or bounce spell to get your opponent's decent blocker out of the way for just one more turn. Because the longer you can put off having to exert, the longer you wait before having to take that slight tempo hit. And then you get in for more damage overall in the long run. So this also works like pump spells and, and like I said, bounce spells to, to even things out and get your opponent's creatures out of the way. And this will let you make the most out of your commons and uncommon exert creatures. What are your thoughts on all this? You got anything to yeah. say about my ramble?
1: No, I think I think for the most part you're spot on. This math obviously changes when you have ways to untap or or give your creatures vigilance because if that's the case, you want to exert them constantly. You're, you're, there's mm-hmm. no drawback to exerting. But yeah. this this kind of math game that you're talking about is really important to be playing when you're playing an exert heavy deck. Some of the creatures that have Exert on them are going to be tossed in your random mid-rangey deck. But when you're really looking to prioritize and maximize the efficiency of your creatures with Exert, this math game is something you have to be playing pretty much every game. Mm-hmm. And there are some cards that you look at them and you just say, okay, this has to Exert all the time. And Walker is kind of one of those. But there are a few that are a lot more subtle. And this format being the way it is compared to original Amonkhet... There are a lot more nuances between the, uh, the chances where you should be exerting and when you shouldn't.
0: Yeah, so while it's safe to just exert Gustwalker every time, and let's say it's like turn three, you play to Gustwalker walker turn two, and your opponent has nothing on the board. I don't want everyone listening to say, oh, well, Ben said I should exert this every turn because it won't matter because it'll get in for 12 <laughs> damage over six turns regardless. It's not quite because if you attack on the ground with it, then it has the potential to get in for even more. Because now it's not it's untapping later on, and you're able to get in for extra damage over less number of turns. So usually when I attack with a creature in general, let's take a Nefcrop Entangler, one in the red for a two-one, you can exert it to give it plus one, plus two. If I take a Nefcrop Entangler and I'm attacking into my opponent's random three mana two-two that they played at or something. I'm usually going to attack into that anyway, but now I also have to consider the tempo aspect of it. You have to say, well, I'm perfectly fine trading this off, or maybe I'm not if it's a different exert creature. I'm usually fine trading this off, but then also, do I want to exert it to remove my opponent's option to trade off? Do I want to now commit to keeping this on board, or do I think that they might now want to trade because they see I'm an aggressive exert deck? It adds a whole other layer of decision making and choice, which is. Something I love in a game like this, especially in an aggressive deck.
1: Yeah, those lines in aggressive decks are something that kind of make the archetype come to life a bit more than just your typical one drop, two drop, three drop, four drop, game's over. <laughs> yeah, uh, Having actual decision points to make makes drafting those decks way more fun.
0: Absolutely. So we're just going to go over some of our favorite exert synergies. We're not going to go through a full list of, of everything, but some of our favorite ways to take advantage of this exerting and attacking philosophy that uh, we've kind of developed for this format. I'll just bounce through maybe three or four of these. So my personal favorite <laughs> exert synergy in the format is on crop champion. I already said last week I love green-white, but a format of 4-4 is just going to be solid on the ground to start with. And then uh, it lets you exert to untap all of your attacking creatures, all your other untapping creatures. So you attack him with this. You can exert your entire board, say, if you had a bunch of gustwalkers or other little things out. And this kind of for free lets you do that thing that I was saying earlier of finding a way to, to get that tempo advantage from this. This allows you to get one extra turn in of exerting per turn cycle. Uh, per like exert turn cycle, if, if you will, a, a phrase that I'm coining just now on the spot. Uh, that way you can exert all your creatures again the next turn and then they don't untap or maybe you'll decide to not attack with them or not exert them at all. But this kind of just gets you a, a free exert. So now you're going say exert, exert, skip instead of just exert, skip, exert, skip. For obvious reasons, that'll let you get in for a lot of more damage and pressure your opponent. Next, I've got Hooded Brawler. Just <laughs> like I said earlier, one of the best exert creatures that they printed in this set, and probably one of the top five or maybe three green commons. It's good as a three mana three two when it's getting it on the ground. It's good as a five drop uh, or five power three two when you need it to be. And finally, Synchronized Strike. This lets you. Uh, well, first of all, it's a green instant. Two and a green, untap two creatures. They each get plus two plus two. So, for example, you could swing in with your Gustwalker and your Hooded Brawler. You exert both of them for free, and then if your opponent somehow manages to piece together blocks for that, you can just use Synchronized Strike to untap them, which again, buys you that tempo advantage, that extra turn of exerting, as well as winning you the combat. So then they're down two creatures. Or, potentially, you just let, the, you let your creatures go through, if it's maybe two Gust Walkers, and then you prepare to ambush your opponent with untapping them on your turn. If you get to eat their creatures and untap your Gustwalker so they can exert the next turn, you're going to be so far ahead.
1: Absolutely. My sort of three favorite synergies, uh, some of mine overlap with yours, but to add a couple of extras that, that you didn't mention, Oncarp Crasher, three mana, three, two with haste. It's just good on its own, but then it enables further attacks, not only for itself, but for other creatures as well by removing blockers when it needs to. Super aggressive card, very solid for those decks, and I'm pretty high on it. We also have Gustwalker, as we've mentioned numerous times already, probably one of the best two drops ever printed for Limited. A 2-mana 3-3 three, three flyer is just ridiculously good. There's pretty much nothing else to say about it. <laughs> and another that I really, really like is Kenra Scrapper. I have it at one of one of the top five, maybe top three red commons. Hmm. I, think it, I think it earns a spot in the top three. But Kenra Scrapper might look like it's statted more defensively as a 2-3, but Menace lets it get in more often than not because scrapping together two two blockers on this might not be super easy and when your opponent finally does have good double blocks for it you can just ex- exert it and negate those two it should always be exerted pretty much because of it. that damage uh, or sort of math game that ben was talking about earlier doesn't really apply here it gets in for the same amount regardless as it gets a plus two plus zero when it exerts it's just the super solid card and very aggressive uh, when it's when it's doing its thing
0: Mm -hmm. so get in for two then two or four but yeah the menace is a great keyword on an exert creature like this because this will let it say your opponent only has one creature in their opening hand this is perfectly situated to punish that where you'll be able to get in with this for a very long time before ever needing to start exerting so this might be able to get in for two, two 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 then four as opposed to just two then four then none then four then none so you want to get as much of that early value out of your exert creatures as you can, and the scrapper's well suited for that.
1: Yeah, I think in general it's only that first turn that matters, right? The you attack for two, then you start exerting because you got that extra two in without taking a turn off. But mm-hmm. over over the course of a game, you know, if you're especially with the Kenra scrapper in particular, if you're attacking two, then two, then two, then two, then two is the same as four, then off, then four, then off, then four, then off. You're still yeah. in for four over every two turns
0: but four can be a, a, a good chunk at a time though so when you're able to get in for like two then four like you said it doesn't really matter because you're getting in the same amount it, regardless but this will let you still pressure with uh, other stuff maybe use untap effects on it more frequently i guess you could see that in like a red green deck
1: yeah I, like i said i think i think it's that first that first turn where and kenra Scrapper is an anomaly right not every creature is like this mm-hmm. where where it gets on parity no matter what it's doing
0: yeah. So the interesting thing is like, you're, you're only ever ahead on that, that parody game w- with the creatures like Gustwalker and this for that one first turn when you hit with the four or the three for a Gustwalker. Uh, but if that's the lethal damage, then it doesn't matter what happens after that, right? right. So I-, I wasn't trying to say necessarily that it, it gets in for more over the long run because it, it doesn't. It's like That's the point, right? It gets in for the same no matter what. But the way it chunks in damage uh, at a time When that Gustwalker gets in for the last three damage because you were able to get in with it it multiple times in the early game, that's when it's at its best.
1: Right. I agree. So that brings us to some of the ways that we make our exert creatures even better, and those are combat tricks. One of the simplest ways that you can level up your game in any limited format is to learn all the combat tricks that are available in the format. If for nothing else than to just know what your opponent has available to them when you're attacking. And that could sound daunting. It might might sound like that's, you know, Zach, how can I ever learn all the combat tricks in a <laughs> format? But honestly, in most formats, there aren't very many of them. And understanding which, which combat tricks your opponent could have will help you make informed combat decisions, both attacking and defending, and can up your win percentage all on its own. So overall, tricks are secondary to the on-the-board trick, as we're calling it, of exerting. So you're not going to run too many combat tricks, but they can come in handy even as an attacker we blocker, they're just relatively good situationally in combat, um, especially the ones with Aftermath because they have basically a second card of value stapled to them. Overall, there are enough tricks in the format that blocking is usually a bad idea in this format in particular, and you and also your opponent have a pretty good idea about how combat's going to go just by what's on the board uh, in the first place, since as we were talking about before, pretty much everything happens in the first main phase in this format as opposed to the second main phase. So don't, don't really assume that your opponent made a mistake or is bluffing something, although occasionally it is correct to call and block some of the time because, frankly, most people don't call people's bluffs, or most people don't bluff in the first place enough in Magic, but <laughs> that's a different topic entirely.
0: Yeah, save that for another day.
1: Yeah, in this set, it really isn't worth the risk, given how far behind you wind up if your bl- call doesn't work. Kind of just assume the mindset of they always have it. Many combat tricks are interchangeable, you can win the combat for a little mana. Uh there it's kind of a tempi he- tempo heavy format and you'll die if you mess this up basically. So be confident about when you're casting your your combat tricks. So we're going to kind of run through pretty much every at, at a high level we're going to run through every combat trick that in the format right now, but definitely do your homework and memorize these for the rest of the format so that you can uh, really keep an eye on what your opponent has available to them. So we're going to start out with white here. In white, we have Cast Out, which is a flash enchantment that exiles non permanents. We have Dejero's Resolve, which is a one-mana instant that untaps a creature and prevents damage that would be dealt to it this turn. Now, this, this one is actually interesting to mention. A lot of these effects in Magic are kind of mirrors, so it'll say prevent all damage that be dealt to and dealt by. This one doesn't mm-hmm. do that. This one only prevents damage that would be dealt to it, so it can absolutely blow you out. We also have Inoketra's Name, which is a 2-mana instant that pumps zombies and p- pumps zombies by t- plus 2, plus 1, and other creatures by plus 1, plus 1. Impeccable Timing is a 2-mana instant that deals 3 damage to a target attacking or blocking creature. We have Muddy Leap to pump your creatures and give them flying. Uh, Vizier of Deferment is a 3-mana 2-2 two, two with Flash that, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile target creature if it attacked or blocked this turn and return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So obviously this pairs well with enters the battlefield effects, but it can save your blocker and just uh, save, your, save you some life points in the process. And at Rare we have Aven Mind Sensor as well, the 3-mana 2-1 Flash Flyer, and if an opponent would search library, player searches the top 4 cards of that library instead. Not super relevant text for, for Limited, but it yeah. is a 2-1 a with Flash, so it can get in front of some of your weaker attackers.
0: You could potentially fizzle uh, an Evolving wild to that, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you totally can. And it's a rare, so you're not going to run into it too often, but still. It is a potential option. Uh, and lastly, oh no, not, sorry, not lastly. We also have Farm to Market, which is a three-mana instant, destroy target attacking or blocking creature, and market is is two and a blue for draw two cards, then discard two cards. So it's really that destroy target attacking or blocking creature aspect that we're talking about here. Um, And we have the other aftermath cards in white, prepare, uh, which is a rare, a two mana rare at instant speed, untap target creature, it gains plus two plus two and lifelink until end of turn. And lastly, we have start, which is a two and a white instant, create two one one white warrior creature tokens with vigilance. So these are all things that you should be thinking about in white that your opponent could have that might interrupt your combat step and set Mm -hmm. you behind if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, so even just looking at these white ones, for example, pretty much every single one of these punishes a double block. So, for example, if I'm double blocking a 5-4 with two two, 2-2s, cast out makes the (laughs) combat a nightmare for me. Farm makes combat a nightmare. Impeccable timing makes combat a nightmare. Prepare blows me out. Mighty Leap blows me out. You know, Catcher's Name could potentially blow me out if it's a 5-4 zombie, or I guess if it's just anything. Um, Jeru's Resolve can blow me out. All of these really punish the blocker. Vizier Deferment, too. Uh, This card was a little underrated originally because it does a lot of weird things. If your opponent double blocks, you can exile one of their double-blocking creatures, and then their other one just gets wrecked. And then a few of these are defensive. Uh, even Mind Sensor could potentially jump in front of a 2-mana 2-2 flyer or something. And Start can do something similar on the ground if you're attacking with a bunch of X1s. But for the most part, these are meant to punish your opponent for blocking. So next in blue, we do have a few things. Uh, notably, for blue and black is most relevant. We're not going to talk about the cycling payoffs. Uh, that's like Drake Haven and Ruthless Sniper and Hecma Sentinels. If your opponent has a Cycler, those are usually on board, so you'll see that one coming. Also, I mentioned prowess creatures. We're going to ignore those too because we don't want to list every single instant in the set. That's that's a little much. So in blue, we have Commit to Memory. Commit the uh, the important half for us is three in a blue for an instant. Put target spell or non land permanent into its owner's library, second from the top. Vizier of Tumbling Sands, which might not seem like a, uh, a combat trick, but it's two and a blue for a one three and you can tap it to untap permanent. But when you cycle it for one of the blue, you untap a permanent. So this can let you untap a creature instant speed. V- winds of Rebuke, one of the blue instant. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Each player mills two. And Nimble Obstructionist, two and a blue for a three one flash flying And then there's some cycling nonsense staple to that too, but who cares? So blue obviously is not known for its combat tricks, but even in this relatively innocuous color, we still find a bunch of decent ways to punish your opponent for blocking.
1: That brings us to black, and in black we have just a few as well. It's also not generally known for its combat tricks, and in this case, most of its quote-unquote combat tricks are actually removal spells. But we have final reward, four in a black instant, exile target creature. Splendid Agony, 2 in a black instant. Distribute 2-1-1 minus one, minus one counters among 1 or 2 target creatures. And Splendid Agony can be kind of a blowout as well because you can spread those counters out and there are quite a lot of X1s in this format.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it can often be a 2 for 1. Next we have Supernatural Stamina, which is 1 black for an instant. Until end of turn, target creature gets plus 2 plus plus oh, O and gains when this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. And lastly, we have Destined, which is one in a black for an instant that says target creature gets plus one, plus zero, and gains indestructible until end of turn.
0: Right. So next up to red. <laughs> get, get ready. We got quite the list here. So we have, first of all, a Braid, one in a red instant. You can choose one, deal three to a creature, or destroy an artifact. Blur of Blades, also one in a red. Put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. It deals two damage to that creature's controller. Brute Strength, one in red. It's an instant, target creature gets three, one, and trample. I put in Chandra's Defeat. It destroys a red creature for one damage and then you draw a card or something, but it, you know, it's hopefully you don't encounter this in best of one. If you lose to this in best of one, I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate because they, they have all this, like the whole defeat cycle is in this format and it's best of one. I guess they just wanted to inject them into Historic, but it's a little unfortunate that these awesome sideboard cards aren't usable and limited.
0: Yeah, I guess so. So next up, we've got Deemworthy. Uh, This is actually a a two-fold combat trick. Four and a red, instant, deal seven to a creature, or three and a red to cycle it, and when you do, you have it deal two to a creature. So (laughs) both of those can blow you out. Magma Spray is one red, deal two to a creature. If it would die, exile it instead. Open Fire, two and a red, deal three to a creature or player. Pursue Glory, three and a red, attacking creatures get plus two, plus oh until end of turn, and it has cycling too and onward to victory uh, we'll talk about the onward half two in a red instant target creature gets plus x plus o until end of turn where x is its power and struggle to survive struggle is two in a red instant deal damage to target creature equal to the number of lands you control so basically if your opponent has uh, is attacking you with a bunch of stuff and you see that they're holding up one in a red somehow there's like seven or eight different things that they could have that could blow out your double block or, or even your normal block. So be, be aware.
1: Yeah. Also worth noting, small little thing with magma spray is that that exile clause is super relevant in this format given the number of embalm and eternalized creatures that are floating around. So if you can mm-hmm. get some damage in, maybe it looks like you're chomping, you get some damage in on a creature and then you finish it off with the magma spray, you're, you're going to blow them out twofold if it's an embalm or eternalized creature.
0: Yeah, that's actually led me to put uh, Magma Spray at above open fire as best red common. I'm currently on Magma Spray, but maybe the speed of the format will adjust. I think red-white is also a little overdrafted right now, so maybe yeah, it's a format that down.
1: That brings us to green, and in green we have a few notable combat tricks here. We have Collected Company at rare, just three in a green instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. Put up to two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I don't, I'm not super high on Collected Company, but it's a solid card, probably around a CC plus, and definitely can, it can inject creatures right into the combat at instant speed. So mm-hmm. be careful of that one. Next, we have Pouncing Cheetah, the three mana, three, two with flash, just jumps in front of blockers shed weakness one green for an instant target creature target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn you may remove a minus one minus one counter from it so potentially an effective plus three plus three stinging shot is green for an instant put three minus one minus one counters on target creature with flying and of course Synchronized strike three and a green for an instant untap up to two target creatures they each get plus two plus two until end of turn and uh we also have haze of pollen listed here in our show notes uh, that's two mana one in a green for an instant prevent all combat damage dealt this turn that's not quite a combat trick in that it doesn't really affect combat it just kind of stalls a turn which can certainly be useful but it's has less blowout potential
0: yeah you could use it as like a pseudo counter spell if they try to do a pump thing but it, it's not don't play that card um so just from all of these The number of things that can happen during combat at instant speed, (laughs) compared to most formats, is very, very high, especially in red, white, and green. And uh, last but not least, I I put a a small category at the very bottom of some of the other instant speed nonsense that could potentially happen. Uh, Perilous Vault is in this format. That's four mana artifact. It has pay five, tap, exile it, exile all non-land permanents. Hopefully this one doesn't blow you out mid-combat. We'll leave it at that. Also, we have Glorious End. Two in a red for an instant. It ends the turn. And at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. (laughs) I wouldn't call this a combat trick necessarily, but um, there's probably a corner case where someone will lose to it because they (laughs) made a weird block or something. I don't know. The the only one in this format that uh, I really want to talk about in another category is Sumut, Voice of Descent. I think somewhat truly exemplifies what we were talking about earlier with the instant speed nonsense. The board will look very different by the next attacking step idea. So, for example, your opponent could flash this in to block with, and it's a pretty safe blocker given it has double strike and three power. Not a lot of things will be able to get through it, even with any of those tricks mentioned above. It'll take like a destroy blocking creature or something. Then on your turn... She gives other creatures to control haste. So then they play their like five mana, five, five or something and swing in with an extra 11 power that wasn't there earlier.
1: Yeah. She also untaps your creatures so you can exert them for free. She's just completely nuts. <laughs>
0: S- Samut is kind of, when I think of this format, when I think of the most bomby bomb staple that really sums up what was happening, it's glory bringer
1: and Samut. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that her creature card is better than her Planeswalker card. It seems like her yeah. Spark Igniting oh, yeah. kind of did her a disservice, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Kind of the opposite of what usually goes on. But anyway, uh, last
0: but not least, we have what I said was the, the Haymaker uh, section. So these are cards that your opponents will often use to end the game on the spot. Cast during their first main phase. So if your opponent starts tapping out before combat, well, uh, hope it's not one of these. If your opponent has taken some weird lines of play or has made a, a weird block or a, you know they did something just strange in a previous turn, it made you think, hmm, they clearly have something. What are they playing into? Maybe consider holding back a creature or a counter spell or a chump blocker to lessen the impact of, of these things. And depending on them, you might see them coming. For example, the white ones are, are pretty telegraphed. You have shepherd Dunes, which pumps all your creatures by 1-1. ta Elite pumps all your creatures by 1-1. Trial of Solidarity, your creatures get 2-1 in Vigilance. And I think probably my least favorite one to lose to, Unconventional Tactics. Three and a White Sorcery, creature gets 3-3 in Flying until on a turn. And then when zombies enter the battlefield, you can pay a White to return it to your hand. All of these, when cast in Main 1 before combat, or I guess... Not talk Elite necessarily, and you don't actually cast Chef at Dunes to be <laughs> precise. Uh these all have the potential to end the game.
1: Yeah, Trial Solidarity Frontrunner for Draft Shaft Hero Almond Ket Remastered.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think we could probably make an episode out of that. Uh, I don't know crazy. what other comments up there. Sand it's Strangler? Crazy.
1: Yeah, but Sand Strangler, like you need I guess I guess you could make the argument that for trial to be really good you need cartouches and you need exert creatures. But when all your exert creatures get to exert for free and have an additional plus two plus one and you can repeat that effect, come on.
0: Yeah, that is pretty dumb. This might be a front runner for that. Well, let's see what we can put together for it. Blue and black don't really have any of this. Blue may be an aerial guide or something. like, And then they play like a sandworm. Not really. It doesn't have the big end the game effects. Now, red does. I died to insult to injury the other day from a healthy like... 13 life or so insult is two in a red for a sorcery damage can't be prevented this turn if a source you control will deal damage this turn it deals double instead so on its front half it's like whatever you're probably not casting this as your three drop but injury is two in a red injury deals two damage to target creature and two damage to target player Now, the joke is, if you cast this as a 6 drop, both halves in the same turn, it deals 4 to that player, and 4 to that creature. And then, it gives all of your creatures pseudo-double strike for the turn. This ends the game on the spot most of the time that it's cast.
1: Yeah, if you can cast it at 6 mana, like you said, I don't want to call it a blowout, because you can see it coming, it's all at sorcery speed, but if your opponent casts Insult, and they have 3 open mana after the fact, you're just kind of crying to yourself. (laughs) I think... If I recall correctly, in Amenket, like original Amenket, this card was taken far lower than it should have been. And then towards the end of the format, people started to be like, oh, yeah, this is actually like an incredible card.
0: Yeah, it did take people a little while to warm up to it, but it's it's one of the best. Also, uh, Glorybringer and Hazard the Fervent. I don't think I need to go too in-depth as to why those are playable and limited, do I?
1: <laughs> nope, that about covers it.
0: Uh, green doesn't really have anything. I could see ramping into a Hornet Queen, but that's, that's not really what I'm talking about here. Uh, And finally, the multicolored ones. So appeal to authority. Appeal is one green sorcery. And so on a turn, a creature gets XX, where X is the number of creatures you control. One green for, you know, five, five and trample. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And then the aftermath is authority. So you tap up to two target creatures your opponents control. And then creatures you control gain vigilance until end of turn. A lot like Trial of Solidarity except it kind of pumps one thing really big instead of your entire
1: board. Yeah, but it taps things down to make up for it. So it's, yeah, it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. makes split over two colors though.
0: Oh yeah, it's true. This makes blocking extremely difficult for your opponent. Uh, We also have cut to ribbons. Cut is one in red, deals four to a creature. So it gets usually their biggest thing out of the way at a good rate. You attack in for a bunch of damage and then it's usually the following turn that you win with this one where you cast ribbons. X black black, each opponent loses X life. So you got seven lands, your opponents at five. Well, that's that's the game, you know? Yep. And uh, finally we have destined to lead. Destined is one of the black for an instant, creature gets one owned indestructible, and lead is three and a, a green. All creatures able to block target creature this turn do so. So you the joke is you do this at the same time. You put both of these on, say, your five five. It lets all your other creatures get in for a bunch of damage and it forces all of your opponent's stuff to block and jump in front of the indestructible giant threat that you've created. And then, you know, this, again, doesn't usually end the game directly on the spot. Sometimes it can if your board is wide enough and they're at a low enough life total, but this will put you so far ahead. And then uh, a few random other mentions here. Samut the Tested, the the Planeswalker. I did lose a game because my opponent ticked down Samut, uh, which... Uh, deals two damage divided as you choose among two target creatures, or one target creature, or two target creatures, or players, and they pi- they pinged down two of my X ones.
1: Sure, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean that does get that. the job done, but Samet the creature is far better than Samet the tested.
0: Yeah, yeah. We talked about onward to victory, just strong pump spell, and then finally uh, Nissa, steward of elements, the perhaps better planeswalker of them. So so here's here's the thing. Hear me out. If you cast Nyssa for eight mana. If you if you pay six green blue for her and then ultimate her right away, that's eight mana for ten flying power with haste. Right? That that wins the game.
1: Over two it? creatures too. It's like two two separate bodies, which is pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's how you want to use Nyssa, but uh, I'm not gonna tell you to live your life. And then finally some colorless options. Godfather's gift. If you can survive long enough to get it there, uh, this will bring back something from the graveyard, except big your opponent will have, you know, built around it so then they have good ETPs or maybe lifelinking bodies that are more valuable when they come back bigger. And uh, Throne of the God Pharaoh. I had a really cool red-white beatdown deck with Throne of the God Pharaoh, and it's not usually the home you find a two-mana artifact in. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control. So if you're attacking with everything every turn and exerting so your things are remaining untapped for longer than they might usually... This will end up getting in for say 6 7 damage over the course of a game. <laughs> I actually uh, I had a, an opponent once play Kefnet's Monument, which whenever you cast a creature spell, tap target creature an opponent controls and it doesn't untap during their untap step. I ended up never attacking my opponent and I killed them with throwing of the guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Quite the nonbo they found there.
0: I just had to keep playing creatures and they had to keep playing creatures to you know create a board but that tapped my things stop them from untapping <laughs> i think that's all we've got for our, our amon ket moving to combat primer right
1: yeah so to summarize the idea is get in with exert creatures as much as you can knowing that your opponent's going to be doing the same try to maximize the the math there between when to exert and when not to run those numbers how many turns is it going to take to kill them Uh, And obviously, you have better info on that than your opponent does, so take advantage of that. Try to avoid needing to play around combat tricks, but when it happens, proceed with caution. Learn the combat tricks, understand what your opponent could have, when they could have it, and if you're a slower deck, try to have a game plan to beat those creatures and those tricks that punch through 2-4s and your other, you know, big butt kind of creatures that normally would be good at blocking creatures of of aggressive decks. Also, be aware of the most powerful pre-combat spells in the format, and... Well, you can't really avoid playing into them necessarily because they happen pre-combat, but be aware of them. Be be ready to to face those. I think that about does it for us, unless you had anything else to add here, Ben.
0: I think that might be it. Uh, have fun. This format's amazing. I, I'm having a great time in it.
1: Yeah, me too. It's definitely a blast, and it's a nice refresher, even though it's still an aggressive format. It's a nice refresher from M21. Oh,
0: yeah. This format's way better than M21. <laughs> I do not miss it at all.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll do it for us. As always, you can check us out on Twitter at DraftChaffPod or myself at Alfredian. You can catch Ben at Betafish1, and you can email the podcast if you want to contact us directly and not use Twitter at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. And as always, check out the Patreon if that's your thing. If not, um, just thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Okay, so you wrote here that you have an a great sign-off idea in the show notes. I can't wait.
0: Okay, so it, it's not actually great for you, but it's going to be great for one of the listeners. So <laughs> hear me out. First of all, hi, listeners. You made it to the end of the podcast. The first one of you to reply or or comment or tweet at Zach, me, and our podcast, at all three of us, and maybe follow us too. Yeah, let's say follow us. I'm just gonna send you a random planeswalker for my binder. I'm just gonna like roll for it. Oh
1: wow, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole binder full of planeswalkers here. They're not all great. some of them, you know, are in there because they have no home. Uh, hopefully no one will get the tivolt that I've had stuck in there for a while. Oh, but you can't gonna... give
1: that away. But there's <laughs> such a story behind that card.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I, I could talk about that. That that is a, a good story. So it's a supplemental sign-off, sign-off. So here's the sign-off to that that sign-off. Uh, back when I was first starting to play the game, and I didn't understand that you could order things online like a, a real person, I really wanted a copy of Avacyn. Uh, b- big Avacyn. eight 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 indestructible. Everything is indestructible. I was like, this is the coolest card in the world. I want this.
1: Yeah, that was like original Innistrad, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a store on the boardwalk near where I live that sells old magic packs. <laughs> for... Slightly higher prices, a premium, than yeah. On, right? <laughs> um, but I thought, hey, I should just try to open it because avicen at the time was like forty dollars,
1: right? Now, Instead right. of just buying the single, you're like, let's spend ten dollars on a pack of innistrad Yeah, yeah, else. yeah.
0: So, so I I did, and I didn't open avicen and then I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And then another month goes by, and I have a little more money. I'm like, eh, you know. I think I'm going to try again. <laughs> and it ended up becoming this months long process where I spent easily $50 opening packs of Old Innistrad because I also was like, maybe I'll open a Lily or something. And I opened, I think, uh, how many mythics are usually in a box? Like two or three, right?
1: Yeah, something like that. I think it's. Well, I,
0: I did open two mythics in my, my pack cracking, but they were not Avicen. One of them was Descent into Madness. Which is like some kind of uh, sack effect where you and your opponent both sack stuff on your turns. And Tybalt. I opened Tybalt. I opened <laughs> the, and, the worst mythic in the set.
1: Yeah. And if I recall, like, wasn't that the last time? Like, you before you open the pack, you're like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. This is the last time I'm doing this.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was not a healthy habit. I knew at that point that I I should stop, but...
1: And then you opened a tibble, and I just couldn't stop laughing, because I was there when this happened. I was yeah, just, yeah, I remember I was this.
0: dying. It, I got exactly what I deserved. This is why you don't buy packs, people. Uh, just buy the cards you want.
1: This is true. Okay, so, for the listeners, your homework here is go to our Twitter, all three of us, the, the, the podcast itself, and each of us, and what do they have to do? They have to follow us, that's it?
0: Yeah, f- follow the three of us and then tweet at one of us at me or you or the podcast uh, and the first person that does just I'll just send them a planswalker it's you know it's fun
1: <laughs> sounds
0: good